listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So the last few years, uh, our last uh, series of the year before Advent was um, a story or a series about finding God in music. We called it Then Sings My Soul. We did it two years ago, and then last year we did Then Sings My Soul, Volume 2. And so this year we're doing something similar, but instead of looking for God in music, we're looking for God in the movies. I believe, with all my heart, that all truth is God's truth, that all goodness is God's goodness, and that all beauty is God's beauty. Anything that is true originates in God. Anything that is good originates in God. And anything that is beautiful originates in God. And there's something about stories and the way they're told. Whether they're told through songs and the lyrics of the songs and the music, or whether they're told through films. And and what we get in a film is this kind of multimedia experience, right? It's not just the lyric and it's not just the sound, but it's also visual, right? We're seeing something. And it's very powerful. And I think... The stories that we tell ourselves or the stories that we are told do shape us in certain ways. And so it's, it's good to kind of engage them, right, so that we can engage our culture. So Star Wars, as a lot of you know, is an extraordinarily popular uh, series. So it started in 1977. George Lucas kind of produced this series of films. And um, in 77, he came out with the first one, which was actually... Episode 4. So there have been nine episodes now since then. But it started with Episode 4 called The New Hope. And then three years later, The Empire Strikes Back. And then another three years later, um, The Return of the Jedi. And we thought that was it. We thought Episodes 4, 5, and 6 were the story. There was some kind of pre-story that we would never hear about. And perhaps there was some after-story we'd never hear about. But the heart of the story were these three episodes, Episodes 4, 5, and 6. Um, But lo and behold, some 20 years later in 1999, they came out with a prequel, or three three prequels, right? Episodes 1, 2, and 3. So you can imagine, in 77, I was 6 years old. And so so Star Wars, in 80, I was 9 years old. The Empire Strikes Back. So these movies were wildly popular in my childhood. And so I'd kind of grown up on them. And then, as an adult, you know, 30 years old, and now they're kind of coming out with the, with the prequels. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. And then within the last few years, they, they came out with episodes 7, 8, and 9. And now they're just continued to kind of proliferate. They're just, it's everywhere. There's multiple TV series. And it's, it's just kind of, it's all the way around us. Now, for those of you who don't know Star Wars, it might at first appearance appear to be science fiction. But really, science fiction is not what it's about. It, it's really about fantasy. So the good guys actually fight with swords, and they ride horses, Um, and uh, some of the other good guys are like gunslingers. It's almost more like the wild, wild west. In fact, the story opens, it says, in a galaxy far, far away in a time long, long ago. So this is supposed to be ancient history in a very distant, distant, distant uh, place. Now, the story is built on an archetypal story. The, 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 the journey of the hero, it's called. 
And that was kind of popularized by Joseph Campbell's book, A Hero with a Thousand Faces. And George Lucas, who wrote the Star Wars um, and directed the Star Wars films, was really fond of Joseph Campbell. In fact, he brought him to his ranch in California called the Skywalker Ranch, <laughs> which is, for those of you who know, Skywalker is kind of the main character in the story. It's called the Skywalker Ranch, and he was, he was hugely influenced. So the story, on one hand, is just the, it's just a battle of good and evil, right? There's good guys and bad guys, and the, the bad guys are kind of have the upper hand, and the good guys are kind of fighting back, and the good guys in the end win. So sorry for the spoiler alert there, or the lack of a spoiler alert. Uh, the good guys kind of win. But, but there's a problem with the story, right? Because on the one hand, the good guys of the republic, like democracy, um, you know, everyone gets a vote. We can, we can have a polity. We can have a, a body politic by which we live together and we are inclusive and we, we care for one another and there is justice and that kind of rules the realm. The empire is more of a, a totalitarian regime, right? It has an emperor and it's, it's kind of cast as the evil one. But they're the ones who kind of use violence in order to oppress the people. The challenge in the storyline is this, is that in order for the Republic to actually win, it needs a hero. And the hero has to function more like the Emperor than like the Republic. Like the hero has to engage in empire-like behavior, in emperor behavior and the use of violence to kind of conquer evil. But the problem is, anytime you use Pharaoh's methods to overcome a Pharaoh, in the process, you become a Pharaoh yourself. Or anytime you use Caesar's methods to overcome Caesar, in the process, you become Caesar yourself. So there's this scene at the end of New Hope, which again, it's, it's technically episode four, but it's the first one that we know in the storyline. It's, it's or the first one that was shown to us. And I'm, I want to show you this clip in just a second, but um, they have the good guys, uh, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewbacca, who's a Wookiee. You'll see him. He's kind of covered in head to toe with hair. You'll see him here in just a minute. Are, are going to march into... Uh, an auditorium with all of these soldiers and these banners that are hanging down on the front. And up front is Princess Leia. She's, she's, she's kind of the, one of the few females in the story, but she's also part of the, the good guys. And, um, well, let's take a look at it, and then I'll come right back, and, and we'll talk about it some. So that's supposed to make us feel good, right? And, and maybe it did make you feel good. I don't know. Like, the more you know the story, you're like, yeah, the good guys win. And, and I, I guess that, that is good, that the good guys win. But that particular scene uh, was inspired by a scene from a Nazi rally. Like, they, they watched it. Campbell watched it, and Lucas watched it. And they said, look, this is what it looks like when you get everybody on the same page. This is what it looks like when you identify your group as the good group, and you scapegoat everyone else and you're able to identify them as the other, as the evil, as the danger, as the one that deserved destruction. And then everybody just kind of gets on board. And the way in which the, kind of the soldiers were kind of facing forward, and they kind of snapped to attention and turned to the front, and those tall banners at the front, 
That is, that is taken directly out of the playbook of fascism, of totalitarianism, of, of Nazism. And, and something should just give us a, a cause for pause there, right? Like, there's good reason that we don't want to identify with that type of thing. Yet, that's the story that Joseph Campbell says is in every hero's story, right? A hero with a thousand faces, again, is the title of his book. And his idea is that every culture everywhere has the same story where a hero comes at a time when things are tough and they go through some kind of transformative moment and they're able to kind of come and lead the group and somehow suffer a bit but be vindicated and rescue and, and bring them out on the other end. And Campbell would say, that's not just how every story goes, that's how every culture goes. And he would, he would include, you know, Buddha and um, Muhammad and Moses and Jesus. But there's something that I, I just have to disagree with there. And that is the story that we know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is not a story that just re- um, underscores or uh, emphasizes this kind of myth of redemptive violence, that, that somehow we need a hero to kind of save us from something. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is not a hero. Jesus is a saint. He doesn't come and kill his enemies. He comes and he dies for his enemies. So Paul tells us this in, in Romans. He says, while we were yet enemies with God, Christ died for us. And we see Jesus coming, give, presenting to us a completely different kingdom altogether. So this passage of scripture um, that uh, Kevin read for us this morning comes out of the book of Revelation. And it's like, here's a beast, and the beast has all the power, and the beast has all the fame, and the beast has all the glory, the beast has all the money. The beast is, is, is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. All-powerful, all-knowing, um, all, all, all-knowing, and everywhere. Yeah, there you go. And everywhere. And, and really, that's, that's just what we call sin, right? Sin, is, sin has a power, and it seems to be everywhere, and it seems to know, right? And, it's, and I don't, don't, don't misunderstand me here. I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But we... Um, the, the hurricane, of course, came through this week, and I know some of you still don't have power, and we're, we're praying for you, and we want to help you any way we can. Or if you, if you need additional help, like cleaning up or taking care of things, please, please let us know. The, even those of you who have power or, you know, you just had a little bit of debris in your yard, it's still unnerving, Right. Like we know friends or family that live farther south or, you know, have experienced the kind of the brunt of the storm. And it's, it's times that it, it can be very kind of very, very kind of tumultuous for us. And we, we kind of long, we kind of long for some, someone, something to kind of come and deliver us. But, but the way in which that story often works, whether, whether you want to go into philosophy and talk about Frederick Nietzsche's Ubermensch, his kind of super person, or, or whether it's just the Machiavellian prince, you know, that might makes right. You know, you keep your friends close, but you keep your enemies closer, and the ends justify the means. All of those ways of kind of being in the world, that's the hero's journey. The hero is closer to Machiavelli's prince or to Nietzsche's Ubermensch than it is to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus doesn't use those methods. 
Jesus, Jesus doesn't engage in evil. Jesus doesn't engage in, in violence, right? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And again, back around to the, the passage from Romans that, that Kevin read for us. We are called there in that passage by Paul to present ourselves as living sacrifices. That's a great metaphor. All right. Uh, uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. He read for us uh, Revelation. I'll get there in a minute. Pause that thought that Kevin read for us. Let me say this about Romans. That Paul calls us to be living sacrifices. To, um, oh, this was, this was the, the call to worship. <laughs> Listen, I really did plan to, to, to say a sermon today. So in the call to worship that Sarah read for us, she read for us Romans chapter 12. There we go. And in it, Paul calls us to be living sacrifices. It's one of the great oxymorons of all time. A living sacrifice, I mean, a sacrifice dies. Except we are living sacrifices, and there is part of us that dies, kind of, kind of symbolically or metaphorically, but there's something else in us that lives, right? And the part of us that dies is that ego, that self that would seek to just kind of use power, be somewhat Machiavellian, follow that might makes right and keep our friends close, put our enemies closer and the ends justify the means. We want to live that way. And I think that's why the stories are often as common as they are, right? Because that's part of the human condition. But Jesus comes and he gives us something different. And Paul is telling us that if we present ourselves as living sacrifice, not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That transformation by the renewing of our mind is something that happens when we hear the gospel story, when we, when we kind of embody the gospel story, when we live like Christ. And that story is different than the hero's journey, in my opinion. It is different. He's not just one of the many heroes with just different faces. He's offering us a different way to be. And, and Romans tells us that, right? As far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. And as it comes to your enemies, you should feed them. I mean, just imagine that, right? Instead of when you're having a conflict with somebody, and, and, instead of, you know, doing violence to them, you, you pick up their bill, right? You know, you buy them lunch. Paul will say later, just a chapter later, he says, look, the whole law, everything that God has taught us, is summed up in this one statement, to love your neighbor as yourself. So let's fast forward a bit. Now, we're at the bit that Kevin read, the text for today, which is the story about a beast, this kind of all-powerful beast, this omniscient beast. And this is, this is what I was going to tell you. Like, we, uh, we were assessing some of the damage here at the church, and I'm on the phone with Mikkel, and we're talking about, um, uh, what was it? Uh, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, but you got an advertisement. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Whew. Apologize. So a lot has happened. So one of the things that happened here at the church is part of the power is out, but not all of the power. Who knew? But in, in commercial places, instead of just having one power line, apparently we have three. So one of those legs was down, and the others weren't. And so we're on the phone trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, we hang up our phones. And shortly thereafter, Mikkel gets an advertisement for a multi-leg 
uh, electrical um, fixing. I'm not a contractor, so you forgive me for not knowing the details, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It seems to be all the way around us, right? We can't speak, we can't think, we can't act without already being kind of assimilated into a system. A system that does seem to be somewhat omniscient, right? They know all things, they know what we like, we know what we don't like, we know what we need. And it seems to be all powerful, right? It, and it, it seems to be everywhere. But that system, I think, again, is somewhat beastly. And who can withstand the power of the beast? That's a good question that it's asked in that passage. But we are called to be different. To be in the world, but not of it. Right? I want to stress that. We are in the world. We're not somewhere else. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. So to be in this world is, is to still be here and to care for this place and for these people and, for these, and even these things. But to not be here in the way that the world would generally occupy this place, which is a bit more self-serving, a bit more consuming, a bit more destructive, a bit more ready to kind of engage in violence for the sake of good. But that, that story... Even, even Star Wars, which I think often misses that point, um, sometimes does get it right. And there's this, there's this interesting thing. We don't, we don't see it in the New Hope. There, you know, they, they end up uh, basically using a nuclear bomb to blow up the enemy. But as it turns out, the enemy is not ultimately dead because they come back in the next movie, as the title says, The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> But then there's this return of the Jedi, right, which is supposed to be the ultimate good guy. It's interesting. In, in the year 2000, there was a census in the UK, and there were over 377,000 people who identified their religion as Jedi. <laughs> and and the, in the next 10 years, apparently the religion is really suffering. Uh, they had dropped from like 377,000 down to like 122. So I guess it's... But still, even at 122, it was ranked the 17th largest religion uh, in, in the country. And they, they applied for, like, religion status, the Jedis did, but the government denied it. They're like, this is, this is not an actual religion. This is made up. Like, you, you're not allowed to do that. And so they, they denied them th their, their status. But it, it says something, I think, about the way in which we do long to belong to something. Like, we, we want to be a part of something. And we want to be part of something good. It's just that we need to be careful with what we identify as good. Because really, the only good thing is what Jesus is offering us. There's not some other good news. And this good news, part of that that really does make it distinct, is that it goes a step further than even the best possible other options on the table. Right? Moses would say, love your neighbor. That's in Leviticus. But Muhammad will also say, love your neighbor. That's in the Quran. But only Jesus is going to say, you have heard it said, love your neighbor. But I say to you, love your enemy. Like what in the world is he talking about? He's talking about a different way. He's talking about living in a way that is self-sacrificial that seeks first to forgive, 
that seeks to resolve conflict but not use evil in the process of that resolution. So it's not conflict avoidance, which is my typical way of being in the world, <laughs> but it is, it is conflict resolution. It is, it's not peacekeeping, it's peacemaking. It's not peace and quiet, it's peace and justice. But it's justice that's obtained by not using violence or not using evil in the process. So, so the, the storyline goes, again, spoiler alert, the storyline goes, this Luke Skywalker character, he's the young, young blonde, um, he's growing up and he's kind of the chosen one, as it turns out, the son of the chosen one. And in, in the first one, we're not quite sure, and he's kind of the hero, and he and his friends, Han Solo and Chewbacca, right, they're kind of praised in this kind of, kind of glorification of violence kind of way. And in the, the second one, the empire kind of comes back, right? And we're realizing that, okay, yeah, violence is wrong, at least when it's used against us. <laughs> Not as bad when it, we use it against somebody else. But then in this, this third one, this kind of return of the Jedi, we, we see the emperor, and he's kind of cloaked. And, you know, he's, he had been a senator, but he has kind of come. And, again, it's kind of totalitarian. It's kind of fascist. It's kind of, you know, the strong man kind of, you know, taking over everything. And Luke is in, is in a, a sword fight. Again, this is more fantasy than sci-fi. Is in a sword fight with Darth Vader, um, who, again, spoiler alert, sorry to tell you this, is Luke's father. <laughs> right? And in that, we see the first glimmer of perhaps something more than the myth of redemptive violence. We see something more than might makes right. We, we see an alternative vision in this, this new vision of this kind of return of the Jedi. Let's watch, let's watch this clip. So in the, in the last three um, installments, episodes 7, 8, and 9, do that came out relatively recently. The, the story, I think, from my perspective, continues to get better and better because there you find that Luke has really started to embrace the teaching of his spiritual mentor, which was this little uh, green fellow named Yoda. And, and, and Yoda offers this kind of beautiful take on life. He's like, watch what you fear because fear is unnatural and fear can lead to anger, and anger can lead to hate, and hate leads to the dark, dark side. And there's something that's really quite true about that, um, that we, got, we need to be careful what we fear, right? Because fear can lead to anger, and anger can lead to hate, and hate can lead to the dark side. And as opposed to just trying to uh, present a version of the gospel that basically takes the Pharaoh or Caesar, right? or the beast, and, and whitewashes them and says, well, our God is good, but our God will, will function like that. No, our God doesn't function like that. The gods, the gods of Canaan require child sacrifice. What do we know of our God? That our God provides an alternative, right? Our God provides the ram. Our God stays Abraham's hand. You know, he keeps Abraham from the sacrifice, and some want to tell the story of Jesus that somehow that God sacrificed Jesus on the cross. But once again, we're getting the story wrong. Luke tells us again and again and again and again that people, 
killed Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. That, the, that God's activity there is in the resurrection. We see God on the cross for sure. I think Jesus on the cross is the clearest picture of who Jesus is. But what we're seeing there is his love. We get God's sense of justice, not in Jesus' death so much as in Jesus' resurrection. Because it's not just for an innocent person to die. And if there ever was an innocent person, in fact, I believe the one and only innocent person that there ever was and ever will be is Jesus. And so in his death, right, we see the, the worst of the worst. But in his resurrection, we see the best of the best. And we can't separate those two things. The death and resurrection always go together. Every time Jesus predicts his death in the gospel, he also predicts the resurrection. The Son of Man will suffer and die and on the third day be resurrected. Jesus never talks about the death of the Son of Man without also talking about the resurrection. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we receive in our forgiveness. A God who made a covenant with Abraham, yes, but who kept the covenant literally, not just on the divine side of the equation, that is that God was always faithful, but because Abraham and Abraham's descendants are kind of prone to their kind of to sinfulness, like, like we all are, they couldn't keep the human side of the equation. So God comes in human flesh and keeps that side of the equation too. That's why we can sing blessed assurance, because our assurance is fixed in God. Because God is faithful. God is faithful to keep his covenant both on the divine side and through and in Jesus Christ. He is faithful to keep the covenant on the human side. So that we now get to participate with him through our faith and our profession. That's why when we come to the table, right? It's his body that is broken for us. And it is his blood that is shed for us. And it's through his brokenness and his shed blood, that we receive forgiveness. And God's response to what we and others did to Christ was to, again, resurrect him and give us a different way of being in the world. Truly a new hope. And and not the new hope of George Lucas, that maybe we'll have someone who'll come and simply rescue us by being mm, a little bit like the emperor, but not too much but someone who's completely and utterly different, right? One pastor from the mid-20th century referred to God as the holy other, spelled with a W, W W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy other, like completely different. And that's who I think our God really is. So our God is not just one of a thousand faces. He's not just another hero. He truly is the one and only kind of Son of God, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For the Son was not sent into the world to condemn it, but rather the Son was sent into the world to save it. My friends, that's the gospel. And that's what we believe in. And that's who we trust in. And it goes another step further so that not only are we now recipients of that good news, 
But that good news can transform us into a type of people that we can now live in this new coming kingdom that we've been praying for. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. So that we can embody that in our families, with our friends, with our co-workers, and out, out in public, right? That's our hope. <laughs> a truly, truly new hope. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.